0: What is going on, Warrior Soul Nation? This is Chris coming back coming back at you with another episode. Um, got a really great guest for you today. His name is Lee Smith. Um, I first saw Lee at a comedy show uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, I was at the Dania Beach Improv. Um, was getting up there myself and this dude was the first one to get up there. And he had my ass rolling like crazy. Um, really awesome comic. Uh, and then later on, I learned that he is a United States army veteran who likes AKs. And, and I saw him up there on, uh, Instagram, uh, firing away with his, with his AK. Um, but, uh, but he also likes ARs too. And we, we had to talk about guns and, uh, you know, I wanted to get to know him a little bit more cause he's hilarious. And, uh, uh, Seem like a great guy to know. So, Lee Smith, welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris.
0: So, yeah, man, um, let's talk a little bit about your background. You know, where'd you grow up? Um, uh, how'd you get into the army? Uh, and 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 uh, what was that all about?
1: Okay, so I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, I I was uh, in gifted classes early on. I think about. Second or third grade, I was placed in gifted classes. I was one of those kids that, like, I, I did my work so fast that I just got bored with everything. Like, I I didn't have anything to do. I would just sit around and, like, just look lost or whatever. Um, so they they placed me in gifted classes. Um, I went to, I went to Shadowline Elementary from from first grade to fourth grade and i went to holmes elementary from i believe fifth fifth and sixth grade uh charles drew charles drew middle for seventh and eighth grade that was before they integrated sixth seventh and eighth graders together yeah uh, i went to uh was it Highland miami lakes for high school and I was, you know, I was I was still in, in those honors classes and I I was still bored with everything. Um I was the class clown at school pretty much every year I was in school and I was able to goof off because I did my work. Like a lot of kids, they goof off and they don't do their work like mm-hmm. me. you're you're doing it backwards. So um as long as I can produce, I mean I can. I can goof off. I, I you know, I have the time for it. And, um, every year I was, every year I was in high school from ninth until 11th grade, everybody thought I was a senior because I always hung with the seniors. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember 11th grade, they tried nominating me for class clown because everybody thought I was a senior. They couldn't do it. Uh, when I was a senior, nobody believed I was a senior because like nobody knew me. So they thought I was a freshman. Um one class clown, uh, proudest moment of my life in high school. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> Aside from graduating. <laughs> um, so how I got into the military, I I was an introvert um, growing up. I, I was the kid that would, you know, sit home, play video games. I, you know, I had friends. We we actually did play outside unlike kids today. Like you, yeah. you you have to try and pull teeth to get them to go outside. Like we wanted to go outside. In fact, not being able to go outside was a punishment. Now going outside is punishment. Yeah. Um so I I didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. Right. well, after high school. I took the ASVAB. I took the ASVAB test only to get out of class. Like that was, that was the only reason I took the ASVAB and I made a mistake and scored high. And uh, (laughs) so, um, so after, after high school, I graduated at the age of 17 and, you know, I graduated in June. My birthday isn't until September. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to work at a burger joint with a diploma. Um, every job, I, every job I wanted to, to have, you had to be 18. My birthday is not until September. Um, I didn't want to sit at home, not doing anything. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to go to college, but I didn't want to have any student loans because you have to pay them back. Um, so I joined the military. I, uh, I became, I became a cook. I became a cooking army. My logic at 17 was you know I'm a I'm a picky eater. So my logic was um if they're going to teach me how to cook, why not do it? And what woman wouldn't want a man who knows how to cook? So, <laughs> so, so I became a cook. That's awesome, man. That's
0: awesome. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was that like? Like what what was the training like for 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 becoming a cook?
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm sure as you know, as soon as you're in basic training, like every, everybody is a soldier first. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you, you have to, you have to train to be a soldier. Um, it was, it was Halloween of 2002. Mm-hmm. That's when I went to basic training and I went to Fort Knox, Kentucky. So, Leaving sunny Miami to go to snowing Fort Knox. Yeah, like it was, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I still remember that day. Um, yeah, it was it was snowing once I arrived to basic training. Um boot camp, it was I think it was the best time I've had in the in the army. Mm-hmm. Because you 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 know you, you did something different every day and like I like I tell a lot of people, I'm I'm grateful for my time in the military because they instill things in you that you just won't get out on the streets. Right. So so I um I went to I went to Fort Fort um Fort Knox for for uh, basic training. Went to Fort Lee, Virginia, for AIT. Um, now in in <laughs> in basic training. Um, I remember when, when we were doing like the, the intake or whatever, where you had to do like, uh, I think it was like 20 pushups, uh, like 20 sit-ups and run like a mile or something like that. I think I did about, did about four pushups until I, I like I gave out. Mm-hmm. Like I <laughs> you know, uh, I was a like a little skinny kid. Um, mm-hmm. When I left, basic my last pt test i scored a 300. oh wow yeah i know so 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 um going to ait and you know because um knox knox is it was an all-male unit mm-hmm. and i'm i'm grateful for that because they they didn't let up on us at knox like we couldn't couldn't have sugar couldn't have uh like snacks or any of that um our our beverages were basically water. Mm-hmm. That was that was it. So when I went to AIT in Fort Lee, <laughs> I'm seeing like everybody from all these other um, forts. Um, I would say especially Fort Jackson. Like I'm, I, you know, because th- and now it's now it's COVID. So I'm seeing everybody like drinking sodas and and eating. Danish is I'm looking like a boss. Like, what what is this? What... <laughs> you guys not know about drill sergeants? <laughs> so, so um I remember one time we we had a run and they they placed us in, in three groups. A group is the fastest, B group is you know moderate, and C group is for the slow people. Mm-hmm. I was I was in I was in an A group and I tried to Fall into the C group, but they knew my PT score. So they made me run in the front with the A group. <laughs> so, so, um, after, after, uh, after AIT, I was, I had orders to go to Korea. And I think when I got my orders, I, I, like, I didn't speak to anybody for about two weeks. Like I, I didn't, I didn't want to go overseas. Let alone Korea, and you know you you had people trying to tell you how good it was and everything, but like I'm not trying to hear that. Like you can, you can save that. It's it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah. So, (laughs) so um, at the time, all right, in 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 uh in basic training, Mm -hmm. it was it was it was it was Halloween. That's what I got there. Yeah. Now Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up. Mm-hmm. You're in you're in basic for what like 9 or 13 weeks or something like that. Yeah. I don't have any vacation days. Nobody has any vacation days. But right. because the drill sergeants didn't want to stay with the <laughs> stay with the privates and everybody, uh they made us go home. So I went home for 2 weeks during Christmas. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um now in AIT, uh, they were saying if you're getting deployed overseas, you can take two weeks vacation. So I took another two weeks. When I got to Korea, I'm in a hole for a month. So that whole time I was I I had to stay in Korea that whole year. Now that was that was that was one of my favorite duty stations, uh Korea. I was I was at Camp Casey. That's where I was stationed at at Camp Casey and the, the camaraderie between the, the, the cooks and the mechanics, because they, they get what we have to do. Like they, they work those grueling hours the same way that we do. We rarely,
0: what was your daily schedule? Like, like what time did you have to be at the chow hall? What time, what time were you out uh, of there? We would, we would,
1: probably wake up around four o'clock
0: mm-hmm.
1: um get dressed we would have to tow the line around maybe five they check out your cook whites make sure everything's clean everything like that and then we start cooking the first shift i believe it was from like five five a.m until about two p.m whenever whenever lunch ended right and the and the the second shift I, I believe they came on at 10 a.m. until whatever time you got out of there. And sometimes we had those GI parties where everybody had to be at the defect, and um, it was from like 5 a.m. until maybe 8 p.m. Sometimes Shit. later. Yeah, so everybody is in there because somebody messed up. Now everybody has to be in there suffering cooking all day cleaning all day but it, yeah it, it again it, it it instilled discipline and yeah uh,
0: yeah i i was infantry and you know i i always thought about um the mos is like like cook because everybody's got to come to the chow hall Right. Right? So like everybody from lowest private up to the base general is going to walk through there at some point. And so you got to be on your toes all the time. And, and I always thought about that kind of stuff because infantry, yeah, it's tough being infantry, but you know, you're out in the field, you're, 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 you're having fun and doing things. Like if you're in one of those MOSs where you gotta, gotta be in contact with, you know, the, the base CO and all that stuff like that, you you got your uniform has got to be locked on. Everything's got to be set for inspection, that kind of thing. So,
1: yeah, I, I remember one time, um, we had a field exercise and like the, the, the cooks, they get treated like trash. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we were sleeping on the back of the, um, the two and a half ton. So we didn't have, we didn't have any tents or anything like that. And it was, it was freezing cold. And, um, like when you're in those conditions, like you're not trying to hear anything positive. Anybody has to say. So <laughs> I, uh, like I was told I had no tact oh, man. and that, that, yeah, that was, that was one thing I learned from the military
0: mm-hmm.
1: was how, how to say the, the right thing, the right way. Right. So. Uh, XO gets on to the the um MKT the, the mobile kitchen trailer and it like i said it's, it's freezing cold um he's he's there he's i think he was getting either like super coffee or something like that and we're already pissed that we have to sleep on the back of the truck you're in a warm tent like you have no worries in the world and he he gets on the MKT and he's like how's everybody doing and I looked at him. I'm like, effing terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sergeant Cortez, can I see you for a minute? <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I, I I learned how to be tactful, um, in a lot of situations. So I would thank the military for that. Well, cool. so you did
0: Korea. Did you? Uh, did you get stationed anywhere else? Did you guys ever go on deployments or anything?
1: When I, when I was in Korea, that's when I, that's when I met my, my son's mom. She was a cook too. And yeah, we, so we, we met, we met at a, we met at a club somewhere in, somewhere in South Korea, obviously not North Korea, but, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but we were talking, we, I think we met in like, um, September of 2003 and we, you know, we were talking to Dayton and Maybe like uh two months after we started uh dating, she wanted to get married. I'm like, oh no. I mean, we can still have sex, but nah. So uh <laughs> so and I was I was young and dumb. I was what, 19 at the time, and she told me she was on birth control, which turned out to be a lot. Um, I ended up getting her pregnant and I I left, I left before her. I left korea and went to uh fort campbell kentucky okay and she she went to fort campbell as well so like even though i i even though she said i got him pregnant i didn't really believe it or whatever so we uh we met we crossed paths in in a walmart one day mm-hmm. and you know i said hey what's up and we exchanged numbers and that was it i think she was upset that i just didn't engage in you know, have a longer conversation or ask her how she's been or anything like that. So, uh, fast forward, she she pretty much loses custody. Um, It was like drug abuse and child neglect. And, you know, um, Fort Campbell, it borders, it borders Kentucky and Tennessee. Right. It's mostly, it's mostly on the Tennessee side, but because the post office is on the Kentucky side, they just say Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So my son, he was about, I want to say, eight months old. He, you know, he was born prematurely and everything. So he was taken. He was taken uh, by the state of Tennessee, and he was placed in a foster home. Oh man! And yeah, she like she had every opportunity to get him. Like they, the state contacted everybody that was on her side of the family first like they she was she was married so they tried to give custody to her husband but like he he pissed hot uh i think they went for her brother same thing like her, so Like everybody on her side of the family they went to first i was the last resort because i don't do drugs um my urine was clean mm-hmm. now i i was i was living i was living on post at the time and my unit was was getting deployed i was i was on rear d mm-hmm. i was I, I was on rear d because i was getting an article 15 like two or three of them that's neither here nor there just know i was on. <laughs> just know i was on rear d so yeah. i was i was i was staying in the barracks and the only way that i could get custody is if i had a place off post now i explained this to the chain of command but they 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 didn't want me like going going through everything, trying to get a place off post. It was uh, it was. Uh, uh, I think she was like a like a, a KP. She was a KP. She was new in the B fact. And we were talking and I told her about my situation. So me and her, we we got a place off post. She helped me get a place off post. And once I got the place off post, now now they want to give me like BAH and everything like that to help me out. So I, I basically took it upon myself to get a place off post so I can get custody of my son. I, I uh, took a uh, DNA test. Um, he was turned out to be mine. I went through parenting classes. Um, I did visitations with the foster home. Wow. So yeah, this was this was a uh, two thousand. This was like, I want to say May or June of 2005. Uh, I was, I was doing all of this and I got physical custody of him in December of 2005. So he was, he was born June of 2004. I, I've had, I've had a uh, custody of him since he was one years old right. and yeah, he's, he'll be 18 this year. Oh, wow. That's yeah. So so that's I'm, a crazy I'm, story
0: man so like <laughs> you didn't know that that you didn't even know that she had had a baby but then they would got in touch with you And no then,
1: no I, I i knew she i knew she had a child i just didn't know it was mine
0: gotcha gotcha and then all of a sudden it's kind of it's kind of thrust on you to be a parent and wow that's
1: that that's pretty insane man well actually it it wasn't thrusted upon me because I could have easily said, "No, I don't want the responsibility. you can just keep him in a foster home but me i wasn't i was my dad wasn't there so i I know how it feels right. to to not be wanted and everything like that and wow. I told myself that I wouldn't do that to my child so my my dad not being there made me the great father I am because it showed me what not to do and how not to be a parent. Right. Um, now, as far as the article 15s go, had I not done what I did, I would have been deployed and I wouldn't have been able to get custody of my son. So that's what I do. Yeah. Would I do it all, all over again the same way? Yes, I would.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Cause I, I, come from a similar background, never knew my dad, um, you know, never knew who the hell he was, never even seen a picture of the guy. Um, How did that change you as a person, you know, um, becoming a parent and, and, you know, um, having that extra responsibility and, and I don't have any kids today. So like, like I hear people talk about how kids change them and, and things like that, but I don't know. How did that change you, and and what kind of impact does it has it had on you as a man?
1: Um, I said before the military, I was an I was an introvert. When I went in, it, it sort of opened my, you know, because I'm I'm fresh out of high school. It opened my eyes to see the world of how it really is, and that's when that's when I I came out of my shell. And having having my son, um. When he when he got of age, I want to say maybe around like five, five or six, we would go somewhere every year, like every summer, I'd take him to like a theme park or out of town. Even if it were just me and him, I just do something with them because you know, kids, they remember that stuff right. when they get older. And um, like I, I never never had that with my, I believe my. My biological dad, he was, he was in my life the two years I was in junior high, and I think that was just because he needed a place to stay. I don't know. So, but he he was like he was physically living with me for those two years. After that, nothing. So now that now that I, I have a kid, uh, like I said, I know what to do and what not to do, and how to be a good parent uh everything he's done or didn't do it's basically what I'm gonna use as a, a learning lesson to raise my son to be the 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 best dad that I can be and right now like because I'm I'm 37 I uh my dad he he's my my biological dad he's he's tried to contact me and everything but it's like like people and some people tell me I shouldn't be this way but i you know i tell them it's it's really nothing you can do to like it's nothing you can do or say that i will listen to because i'm i'm already a grown man like you can't right. teach me anything like everything in life i've learned on my own so like what can you teach me that i haven't right. learned already you know and even if you're trying to tell me something i'm not going to listen to you because you're pretty much a stranger to me you're like just some random guy on the street yeah and i re- i remember um he he texted me one day like out of the blue and i responded and he said something else and i just told him look man let me stop you right here it's nothing we have to talk about you can just stop texting me and he he contacted my mom and he was like what's up with your boy Uh, he he told me to stop, stop talking to him. And she was like, yeah, you're right. He's right. Because you, you've never been there for him. So, I mean, what does, what can you do for him that he can't do for himself? So I. And that, that, that's an important
0: point to make here. I think, because like, you know, I think people try to interject themselves in your life, right. mm -hmm. Like when it's convenient for them. Right. Right. And, And I think a lot of people out there, they want that emotional attachment to, to something, to, to this thing they built up in their mind, like, oh, maybe we can rekindle our relationship and things like that. But, but that's, here's the thing. I think that's a trap that so many people fall into because, Mm -hmm. you know, you gotta be you. And, and if you've got some person who's just going to interject themselves in your life, when it's convenient for them, what are they actually doing for you? Are they helping you to improve your life? Probably not they're probably just going to bring extra drama and extra, extra stress to your life. You know what I mean? So, so I definitely feel you on that, man. Like, I think that, that um, too many of us fall into those traps socially because, and that's why we keep toxic people in our lives too long.
1: Yeah. Um, that That's the thing. Like, like I said, so, so with my, with my son, even though I've, I've had, like, I, I've had custody of him. Like I, I have full custody of him. I've never yeah. talked, bad to him about his mom mm-hmm. um like she she really just doesn't want to be a part of his life so i you know i i never bashed her or anything i said i would let him see for himself how she is like she she had she has visitation rights but she doesn't she doesn't try to visit him so you right. know I, I don't i don't keep him away from her same thing with my dad like yeah you messed up with me but here here's your grandson Mm -hmm. messed it up again, dropped the ball. So it's it's not like he, it's not like he tried to get to know me. It's not like he tried to get to know my son. So, I mean, like, I mean, what else do you want me to do? Like, it was was another chance for you to at least try and right some of your wrongs or whatever. So, no, exactly.
0: Exactly. What, um, so, so you had that happen. Um, how much longer did you stay in the army for?
1: Uh,
0: I got hit with stop loss.
1: (laughs) I, I was supposed to ETS October 31st of 2005 mm-hmm. because my unit was getting deployed. Uh, you know, I got hit with the stop loss, and I was also like getting those Article 15s. So um, after like after I got the AR 15s and everything, um, it was basically time for me to get out. But apparently, nobody knew where my paperwork was. I was in for about eight months you know they they kept passing the buck they kept telling me all oh, they can't find it but this person has it or whatever i went down myself to look for the paperwork guess what they found my paperwork <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so um yeah after, after that that's that's when i that's when i got out so i i did like a total of three years and eight months mm-hmm. and wh- what
0: would you do next what was what was your next thing
1: I I got out the I got out the army. I stayed in Tennessee for about. I got out in in July of two thousand six. I stayed in Tennessee until December of two thousand six because I, I like I felt like I just I just needed a mental break. Like I've been, you know, in the army for so long. I, I just need a a vacation yeah. from it all. When I when I left when I left the when I left the um, state of Tennessee, I came back to Florida and I applied for a job as a cook at the Hyatt. It's all I knew how to do. I was a cook, yeah. So so I, be, I became a cook at the Hyatt. I did that for about I want to say about three years. Mm-hmm. I did that for about three years. Stopped working at the Hyatt. I uh, I was I was looking for another job. I remember I was filling out an application at Applebee's to be a cook. And this temp agency called me. It was the city of Miami Gardens. And they they said, uh, we you know, we we want to offer you uh, a, a change of occupation. We want you to do something different. So I basically left the application on the table and just walked out of Applebee's and the next day I was, I was at the city of Miami gardens as a, as a temp. And so I was, a I was a desk clerk Mm -hmm. and they had, they had like plenty of temps before me, but they were, they were dropping like house flies. When, when I, when I entered the building, they were running out of work for me to do, you know, because I I had that, I had that military mentality. Let's just, let's just get it done. Like it's it's no, it's no breaks until it's everything is done. And that's, that's one thing that they loved about me was, was that I was, I was dedicated to getting the job done. And when I, when I was there, it was like two other temps. Like I was, I was doing my work and theirs. And eventually they, they were let go and I was, I was a temp for about a year. The the supervisor, she didn't know where the money was coming from or how she was getting it, but she knew she was, she wanted to keep me on. And I was, I was getting paid like that. So eventually, eventually it stopped the, the, the temp job. It stopped, but it was, it was like, I want to say like a, a month later, one of the other departments, they caught wind of me, and they picked me up for a little while. And the position that I was doing as a temp for code enforcement it opened up online, so I applied for it and I got the job. Did that for about a year, uh, being a desk clerk. The position for a housing inspector opened up. I didn't think I was good enough for it, but they told me to apply anyway, so I applied and. I got the job, so I went from making like nine bucks an hour as a temp to I want to say like twenty dollars an hour within two years. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, again, it, I, I I have the military to thank for instilling those values because, like, it's the the thing is once once you once you've been in the military, um, more specifically. I wanted, and I'm not, I'm not like hating or anything on the other branches, but more specifically, uh, army, army, Navy, and Marines, from what I've heard once, once you've done, once you've done that, everything in the civilian world is, is just, it's easy. Yeah. You know, so you, I mean, you, you, you've been through the ringer, like it's nothing that you can throw at me that hasn't been done to me already. So a lot of things that the average person would complain about, like we'll look at it and be like, what are you, what are you mad about? What's, what's, what's the problem? You know? So that, that's, that's, uh, that was one good thing about it. That's that's
0: important. And I think, I think the other thing that's important is your mindset when you got out, you know, you had this new thing come across your desk and it, it it probably wasn't within because a lot of people get out and they think, Oh, you know, I was an infantryman. What can I do? Or, or oh, I was a cook. I got to be a cook for the rest of my life. And you had this new thing come across your desk. You decided to give it a shot, and you put everything you could into it. You know, and and that helped you move forward.
1: Yeah. The the thing about me, um, is it's, it's not much that I can't do. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll, I'll I'll give anything a shot as long as it makes sense. You know, I, I was I was there when. They told us, "All right, take these sandbags over here, move them over there. All right, now take those sandbags over there and move them over here." Like I've, I've been there, so as, as long as it as long as it makes sense, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Like I, I didn't I didn't have anything against office work. It's just all I knew how to do was be a cook. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't um I wasn't against uh, working in an office. It was it was new, but yeah because of what I did, it was, oh man, it was so easy.
0: Let me ask you this. When, when did you get into comedy? Cause you're, you're an outstanding comedian. I was, uh, like I said, you know, you were the first one to get up there at the, at the improv the other night. And um, you had me rolling. You had the whole place rolling. Um, you know, you. some of <laughs> I mean, it was, it was awesome. When, when did you get into that? What made you decide to get into it? And, and how'd you
1: start? All right. So in, in high school, um, like I said, I was I, I was a, I was a class clown. It was it was me and like maybe three or four other guys. What we would do, one one of the guys, he he was like the the, the rapper out of the bunch and hanging around him made me realize that I could, you know, I could rap as well. So what we would do is basically like. Freestyle jokes and just have a, a crowd of people around us, and it was uh, it was in the army when, more specifically in in Korea, I, I met a guy. He was from Virginia, and he knew he knew somebody that was on a a base. It, it, it was it was a camp next to ours. He he was from Virginia as well, so all three of us rapped, and the guy that was was in my unit. He he introduced me to the other guy, and that guy gave me some recording software. So from that, I was, you know, I, I basically self taught myself how to record music, and I picked up little tricks along the way. When I got out, I got up with a, a gentleman that I went to high school with, and he was with a, a group of guys that used to do music. Well, they still do music, but he was with a, a group that did music and they sort of recruited me. Now, the whole time is. All right. With with music, with music, it, it, it's, it's a lot harder to get stage time when you're when you're just starting out. Right. So I, I didn't do that many shows. Now, again, I was I was always funny. I always try to incorporate some type of humor in my in my music. And I was watching Funny People. Well, I'm gonna pause it real quick. So with uh, with Funny People, Adam Sandler, he's he's basically a, a comedian that has cancer, and he, he like he's healed of the cancer, or whatever. That's the gist of it. Like, I haven't seen it in a while, but I mean, just know that he's a comedian. So I, you know, I had an epiphany. I said I would try and do stand up one day. Um, If it works out, I'll just I'll I'll stop doing music and I will put my all into doing comedy. And the first show I did, it was it was at the Miami Improv. It was like two days before Christmas. Wow. I went up and everybody loved it. Like I got a standing ovation. So I basically just stopped doing music and I started doing I started doing stand up comedy. And within the first year I was doing it, I won the the turkey contest the the turkey contest that the the improv has. So that was a that was a good feeling. What's but the turkey with-
0: contest? How's that run?
1: So basically in, uh, around Thanksgiving, the improv has, uh, they have like this turkey contest where, where essentially it's a, it's a group of comedians that they, they bring people or whatever. And the audience judges who was the best comedian. So I believe it's like two rounds. So the, the first round they pick maybe like four people or something like that to move on to the second round. And with the second round, that's when they picked the winner of the contest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, granted it was like, uh, like 50 bucks, but I mean, I still won. So, yeah. you know, within, within, within a year of starting uh comedy, it was, it was a good feeling, but it's, it's not, it's to me, it's really not about the money. It's, it's, when you, when you're on stage and you, you get that, that, that big laugh from everybody, it's like, it's no other high. I can describe that feels just like that.
0: Yeah, it's addictive.
1: Yeah, I've I've never been high, high too often, but I can imagine there's nothing else like it. Like, I I haven't shot heroin or nothing like that, or maybe an edible or two, but that's about it.
0: (laughs) Heroin, well, don't let me get into that. (laughs) Um, yeah we won't talk about that um, but uh, yeah man um, you're right it is addictive you know like um, I, I, I've been doing it since November and like you know if I'm not on stage for more than three days then I start to get like holy shit I gotta get back on stage that's thanks yeah <laughs> start <Yeah>. jones <laughs> yeah so so what is it you know because I, I see people out there and and you know I'm a new comic so we have like, I guess closest thing is like a cohort, right? Like I see new comics around going to open mics and things like that. And like, it seems to like really work for some people. It seems to not work for others. Right. And it seems like some people kind of like have a natural, natural thing to them. Some people got to work harder at it. Some people, it just ain't going to happen. But what's the thing, you know, in, in a person like you who, who kind of took, took it on naturally, what is that thing that, that helps them be good at it?
1: So, what the, the, now this is just my personal opinion uh, and you, you'll have people who wholeheartedly disagree, but I feel like comedy is one of those things that can't be taught. Like it's either in you or it's not. Now people can probably teach you how to say things a certain way, but as, as far as it being in you, like, all right, for, for example, I'm I'm sure you've seen my size. I'm like five eight, maybe hundred sixty pounds, right. hundred seventy on a good day. If I've been eating all week, but I'm not a you know I'm I'm not the stature of a, a football player. So like I'm not I'm not gonna go out there on the the Dolphins training camp and, and try and prove myself to be a football player. Like it, comedy is just one of those things. Like either either it's in you or it isn't, and. Some people, it, it I mean, it's it's it comes natural to them uh quicker than others. But the, the thing that I like about comedy is that there are no rules to it. Right. Like like there, there's there's really like people can tell you all the time how you should do comedy, how comedy is supposed to be done. Whatever makes the people laugh, say it. I mean, like I. So I, I personally, again, this is just me. I, I personally dislike comics or comedians that are uh social media personalities like if that's where you started and that's all you're doing you're you're, you're really not a comedian you're you know you're, you're just online doing stuff until you've gotten onto a stage and proving yourself like you're you're really not a comedian you're just someone online that's getting a, a couple of laughs here and there and I've I've seen it I've seen it plenty of times where you have social media personalities who deem themselves as comedians only to get on stage and think that what they did online will translate on stage and like those those are two totally different monsters and that that's that's what a, that's what a lot of people don't understand like stand up comedians we have the we have the hardest job of entertainment because you can't with, with music, they already know what they're getting into. On stand-up, you have to be able to figure out everybody in the audience to try and make them come on one accord and make them laugh at the same thing. And especially with today's climate, like it's uh, it's, it's 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 awful. Right. But it, it can be done, but it it takes it takes some work. To, to do so
0: well let me ask you this too because like you know we're in a time and place where everybody's trying to get pissed off at something right right and, and uh you know we, we've had a lot of incidents with like dave chappelle um mm-hmm. you know he's had his very famous very famous incident you know uh tony hinchcliffe who got in trouble a little while ago and things like that um it seems like it's getting harder and harder for comedians to do their job, which is kind of like, in my opinion, holding a mirror up to society and saying, you know, this is funny, right. Or look at Mm -hmm. how ludicrous this is or, or shit like that. What do you think about all that? Like, like, do you think this is a phase? Do you think it'll pass?
1: It's always funny until the joke's on you. And, and that's, that seems to be today's culture. Um, People can't take a joke nowadays. And like you said, everybody just wants to be upset about something. Like it, it doesn't even have to make sense. They 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 just feel like they need to be upset. And people are let's just face it, they're too sensitive these days. And that's that's the one thing. The the, the one thing about comedians is to basically escape reality, but at the same time putting that mirror up to reality. Right. so i mean yeah it's an ugly truth but it, it has to be said mm-hmm. so just because it's about you doesn't mean it's not funny you were just laughing at this guy over here but now when it's your turn to be the butt of the joke oh you went too far yeah and that's that's like that's something that just really doesn't sit right with a lot of a lot of people
0: yeah have you um and i i don't want to get in like names of rooms or anything like that but like have you ever been in rooms where, you know, it, it, they, they were a little bit restrictive in what you could do and, and how do you handle those types of situations?
1: Not really. Um, if, if it's a, like, I can, I can pretty much do whatever is asked of me. So I've, I've done, I've done like events in churches. I've done charity events with nothing but kids. And I've done events where it's nothing but adults that just want that dirty stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if if I'm not if I'm not re- like they really put restrictions or limitations, it's always good to do some reconnaissance and know what you're getting into before you actually go on stage. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll if, if I know I'm performing somewhere, I, I try to at least check that spot out a week in advance just so I just so I know what I'm doing, because you can you can do one set tonight and kill at a spot. You can right. do that same set the next night and bomb. Yeah, it's 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 all it's all about knowing your audience. I sometimes I just, I go in with the purpose of pissing somebody off, mm-hmm. uh, but it's 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 all it's all in good fun and nature. Mm-hmm. But as as far as as far as restrictions go, the 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 the, the clubs they rarely put restrictions on you. It's the audience members that want to be upset about nothing. Right. Like we, we basically came here to let loose and have a good time. And you want to be the one to come to a comedy show and get upset about comedy. Like you can. I never understood that. Like nobody yeah. is keeping you here hostage. You can easily walk out and not watch the rest of the show. But you want to sit there and watch the rest of the show just so you can talk through the rest of the show about how bad the rest of the show is like just leave yeah. like it's really that simple
0: no that's uh <laughs> that's insane to me as well that's insane to me as well um one of the things i wanted to ask you too is because i there's a lot of funny people in the veteran community you know like mm-hmm. some of the most hilarious people i've ever met or people i served with um if if somebody wants to try stand up comedy what what should they do
1: do it I would say I would say do it. If you can get and I tell people, if you can get on stage, you can do stand-up comedy. Um now whether you're funny or not, there's something totally different. But right just just getting on that stage because a lot of people get stage right. And I, I would say, I would say do it. Do as many shows as you can. Um just keep at it, keep writing whatever you write, don't throw it away. Is because it's it's been times where I've I've written something never looked at it maybe like two three years later looked at it again oh i can use this i can you know i can add such and such to it yeah so i would i would just say just just stay on stage um build those relationships with people and uh, when you have a when you have a good rapport with people it it, it goes a long way mm-hmm. uh yeah but just just try to stay on stage as as, as much as possible i I, I, I sort of study people on what not to do, because I don't I, I don't I don't want to be compared to the next guy. Like I've. A, a lot of times I'll go on South Beach and I, I, I have no problem with talking to strangers. Like I'll just walk up to random people and like start joking around. And a lot of times I don't know if it's the way I talk or whatever but I've been, I've been compared to Dave Chappelle. uh, I've been compared to like Kevin Hart, stuff like that. Now I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the comparisons, but I, I I wish not to be compared to anybody. I want to be that guy. You're comparing people to like, who do you, who do you compare Dave Chappelle to? Who do you compare Kevin Hart to exactly? That's, that's the person I I want to be. So that's why I try not to be like anybody else, but I, yeah, yeah, I would say just, just try to find your own identity. It won't come overnight. Um, it, it may, may take three months It may take three years. Mm -hmm. Just try to be the best you that you can be on stage. Just, and just keep at it. Consistency is key.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely important. I think like, a lot of it, it's easy for somebody to do something for a month or like mm-hmm. even it's even easy to, for somebody to do something for a year. But but being able to do it constantly and consistently for for, you know, years on years on years and, and trying to perfect yourself at it. That's that's an entirely different thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I've, I I started in 2000, 2009. Mm-hmm. That's when I started comedy. I've, I've been off and on with it. With it, and I, you know, I I moved to Atlanta to try it. That didn't work out. Moved back to Miami. So I, even though I haven't been doing stand up a lot, I've been I've been trying to tackle comedy in a, a a different way. So it's it's not like it's not like I I've stopped doing comedy. I'm just I was just going about it at a different way. So a, a few people that I've i recently met, they kind of got me into the habit of getting back on stage every night and stuff like that. And now I'm just just trying to shake that rust off or whatever. So it's, uh, I think it's going, uh, pretty, pretty well. And it's, it's the, it's the younger, it's the younger comedians that kind of make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside when they ask me for, for advice and stuff like that.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, anybody asks me for advice on anything, I get all warm and fuzzy. You know, <laughs> somebody asked me for directions the other day. I gave them a hug. I was like, <laughs> "I'm just kidding." <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, where, where? So, where are you taking this? What, what, what are your plans for the next year or so?
1: So the 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 way the way my life has been, it's it's, it's sort of it's sort of like the butterfly effect if the simplest thing would have changed, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Right. And I, you know, I, I had to, I had to just sit back and assess everything from the past. For instance, the situation with with my son, had I not received those article 15s and been on rear D I wouldn't have had custody of Um, every, everything, everything that you do, And again, this is just my belief. Everything that you do is for a purpose. Like you may meet someone. You you may have met someone 10 years ago, like at a party or something, had a good time, never even thought about it a day after that that evening. 10 years later, you may have ran into them and they might, they might have been the person that you needed to like secure a bank loan or or help with a position or just take you to that next level. So all because all because of a, a conversation you had 10 years ago. So I, I don't I don't think I don't think anything is done by accident. I feel like everything is done by design simply because of the way my life has been. I try to take it one day at a time. When stuff looks bleak and not so great, I I, I I don't I don't get down about it because I I feel like everything will work out the way it's supposed to. So I I just I just live life like I'm very optimistic as far as what will happen in the future. I'm not sure of it. All I know is it will be something good. So I I can't I can't tell you what it is. I just know it's going to be something good simply because of of how my life has been. So, yeah, I. am Sometimes I feel like I'm a, I'm a prophet of sorts. Like I'll say something and it'll come to fruition. Like I'll, I'll say something about you getting a new car and next week you'll get a new car. It only works for other people. Like it doesn't work for myself. Like I I can't say, yeah, I'm going to win a lot of when it happens. Like I I think it just doesn't work for me. So I can, you know, I can, I can manifest it for other people, but uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't quite work the other way around. I like got, I've, yeah. I've tried it a couple of times, had the lotto tickets in the Bible, uh, prayed on it. Uh, just didn't happen. I guess I got to get my money the hard way. So, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. They say you attract what you fear, you know? So yeah. I, I, I developed a fear of, uh, big booty nurses, but I'm just <laughs> kidding.
1: <laughs> 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 um, do you have any shows coming up? We actually, we went, to, we went to Tampa Improv last night. We, we, we had fun there. Um, nice. we're, we're lining some things up for the future. We're, we're trying to put together. I don't want to speak on it too much. I want to let it happen first and then and then bring it to the forefront with everybody, uh, just because I don't want to jinx it. But we're, we're, we're putting some things in place and in order that's bigger than what we're doing right now so uh when when i get that information i'll let you know but it will be in the very near future so we're we're basically trying to change the, the the game of everything nice nice well that's awesome where um
0: where can the audience go to keep up with you um and and how can they help you out right now
1: well Every social media handle I have is Lee Smith is funny. Mm-hmm. So whether it's whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether you just want to email me uh, at Lee Smith is funny at Gmail dot com. Uh, doesn't really matter. Um, those are all my handles. You can help me out by just following and sharing and liking everything and just keeping in contact with me. So I can keep everybody updated and posted on, on what's going on and what we have planned for the future. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Well, Lee, man, this is a great conversation. You know, I really, really enjoyed talking to you about your story hearing hearing about your life. Um, you. I think, I think there's a lot of lessons in here, you know, um, uh, paying attention, I think is a big one for this, for this episode, because, you know, like Lee said, you are never going to know, what that thing is that could change your life, you know, being out exactly. there, trying things exactly like, like, you know, you run into a person and, and, and that person could be the person to bring you up to the next level, you know, um, consistency. That's another huge one, yeah. because a lot of us, we, we, we try something and then, you know, it's a little bit hard, a little bit difficult and we give it up, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the first sign of, uh, first sign of, uh, um, of difficulty you know you got to stay consistent if you want to get good at something you know lee's been doing comedy for 11 years on and and uh you know if you want to get good at something you got to get your ten thousand ten thousand hours in um and anything else you want to add to that lee
1: um not really i mean but even even the way we cross paths I'm, i met hansen a couple of years ago when i first started comedy and and he told me about you and and that's what made me take notice so like I said, you know, you you may you you may meet somebody or something may happen and you may not know that it's set, setting you up for something greater. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, I just really appreciate uh the conversation that we've had and you taking your time out to interview me.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for coming here because I think a uh, great conversation and and you know, you're giving some great knowledge to this community, so awesome awesome uh to everybody out there i hope that you enjoyed this conversation and i hope you're actually taking some of these lessons to heart um definitely check out lee's stuff because like i said he's funny as hell if you see if you're in the south florida area or anywhere else that lee's performing and you see he has a show coming up definitely go and check him out because like i said you'll be laughing your ass out laughing your ass off um with that guys it's friday It's getting late, time to go home, get out of work, got to snuggle up to my girl a little bit and then uh, get on with the weekend. So um, this is Chris Albert and uh, Lee Smith and we are out.